Yes, kids are now dismissed to Sunday school. This morning, I'd like to, as Brittany uh, mentioned, I'd like to uh, just begin a short uh, six-week uh, sort of a mini-series uh, on the subject of relationships. Uh, we've been talking quite a bit about generosity and how important generosity is to a Christian lifestyle, and I uh, kind of would like to wrap that up by talking about generous relationships and uh, just how important they are to all of our um, maturing and growing and uh, how we need them. And then uh, after our annual meeting, uh, my intention is to uh, begin a study in the book of Thessalonians, First and Second Thessalonians, uh, which was written by the Apostle Paul because people were confused about the second coming. And so I'd like to kind of launch from there uh, into a number of different facets of what the Bible teaches us about the Lord's return. And uh, just kind of we live in interesting days and uh, people asking a lot of questions about you know, what's going on in our world and where are we at and so on. And so I'm kind of looking forward to uh, just taking from Scripture that which God would have us understand about the Lord's return and about the future. But uh, in these next couple of weeks, I'd just like to talk this morning about friendships and then uh, next week about families and uh, the week after a couple of weeks about marriage and, uh, and then after that uh, a generous relationship with God and what that looks like and and what scripture has to say. And I'm, I know that we all have uh, friendships with people uh, whose uh, maybe families or uh, marriages are struggling. And uh, I'd really like to encourage you to use this, these few weeks, uh, as an opportunity to invite somebody else to come and hear what God has to say about those subjects. And, uh, you know, they're relevant to an awful lot of people. And so I'd encourage you to just, uh, even now, think about it and ask the Lord to put somebody on your mind. Uh, who is it that you know that, uh, you know, whose family is maybe struggling or there's some dimension of family that, you know, we just came through the holidays and everybody has family stories. And uh, maybe there's somebody that you say, you know, I ought to invite so-and-so uh, to come to church with me and hear what God has to say about families or about marriages and uh, and that, that you would take advantage of these next few weeks uh, just to do that. Um, our church, I hope you understand and know by now, is committed to um, helping one another uh, develop uh, God-first believers. God-first believers. And the idea is that um, we would come to that place where, where the first consideration in any aspect of our lives would be God. A God-first believer. There's lots of people who say they believe in God. Uh, but if you ask those folks, well, tell me about the God you believe in, oftentimes there's not much there. And that kind of a God, kind of the God of our own imagination, you know, is not much of an influence on people's lives. Uh, and so we're committed to helping each other develop a God-first life. It's the way we talk about a disciple. A disciple, which is what God desires for all of us to be, is somebody who in every aspect of their life considers God first and um, is lined up. I think um, most of us, if we were honest about it, we start out kind of being me first people, right? Uh, when we're born and we start growing up, we're kind of me first and it's all about me. And, and, uh, and then somewhere along the line, uh, Lord willing, somebody says something or some circumstance comes into your life and uh, all of a sudden 
uh, you find that there's kind of a curiosity inside about God. Uh, I wonder if there is a God. I wonder if God cares about me. I wonder if God speaks. I wonder if he says anything. I wonder if he can know God. And we begin to be curious about this God that, uh, uh, you know, we begin to wonder about. And um, I think if we pursue that curiosity, uh, we will become convinced of the truth about God. Move from curious to convinced. Uh, In the Bible, in Jeremiah chapter 29, God makes a promise and he says, You will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. If you're serious and you really want to know, is there a God and does he speak and can I know him and does he care about me and does he know me? If you're serious about that and you pursue that, God makes a promise and says, he will make himself known to you. You can know God. And so when you move from being curious to being convinced, uh, that's a great step in the right direction. But then even after we're convinced, the next step then is to become committed to that which we're convinced about. And uh, once we're convinced of the truth about God and so forth, there's a process of uh, committing ourselves to live according to the truth that we're convinced about. And uh, so we go from kind of curious to convinced to committed. And when we're committed, we begin that process of becoming uh, God first or becoming disciples uh, of Jesus Christ, Uh, people who uh, make God their first consideration about everything. And so I wanted to suggest to you this morning... Uh, that part of that process of growth, uh, of maturing into a God-first believer, is friends, generous friends, friendships. In fact, uh, I I would go so far as to say it's impossible for you and I to become all that God intends for us without generous friendships. It's part of the process that God designs for us in order for us to grow. We need Friends. In the book of Romans, I think Paul uh, puts it, there's a number of different places, but in Romans chapter 1, verse 11 and 12, uh, Paul is writing to the Romans and uh, to that church there, and he says, I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. I want to come and be with you and in order that I could impart a spiritual gift, but not only that, it works the other way too, that is that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. We need each other to, in order to mature or to grow uh, in our faith. In Romans, uh, another place in Romans, in Romans chapter 12 and, and verse 4, he's talking about how the church is like a body. And uh, here's, here's what he says, For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of each other. Paul likens the church to a body, your physical body. And he says, you know, your body's made up of all different parts, and none of the parts have the same function, but they're all part of each other and interdependent upon each other in order for the whole body to function. And he pictures that uh, as an example or, um, you know, of the church. And if you think about that, uh, how important it is that we have relationships uh, that are uh, generous with each other in order for us to develop uh, into the people that God calls us to be. Uh, one of the best things I read, I think, uh, in a long time about this whole subject uh, came from Andy Stanley, a pastor down uh, in Georgia, 
And um, he uh, sort of deciphered that there are five ways that God grows people up. Five different contributions God makes uh, that enable people to grow or to mature. And um, it's interesting, if you think about this, one of them he calls providential relationships. One of the five absolutely necessary parts of maturing into a God-first person is these relationships that God actually orchestrates. And I think it's true that if you think about your life up to this point in time, and you think back, you will discover there are significant people along the way who made contributions into your life. Significant people. Maybe it was your parents. Uh, maybe it was a grandparent. Uh, maybe it was, you know, for Barb and I, it's, it was a professor at uh, college where we went who made a significant investment in our life that I would say, you know, matured us a great deal in the college years. Um, it might be a pastor when you were a kid, a youth pastor that had a significant impact on your life. And, and you will recognize that these providential relationships that come and go in our lives are orchestrated by God for people to make a deposit in our life and for you to make a deposit in their life. And these relationships are absolutely essential. Now, I know some of you are wondering, you know, what are the other four things that we need to grow? Well, I'm glad you asked. Um, <clears throat> the first one is practical teaching. Practical teaching. You know, you cannot mature without scripture. And so practical teaching is an absolute necessity, okay? Uh, second is um, private uh, disciplines. In other words, one-on-one time with God. Private discipline. There's no substitute for you sitting down with the Bible and asking God to speak to you personally. All right? And that's what grows you. There's no substitute for prayer, for getting into the presence of God and talking to him from your heart about what's on your mind. Right? There's just no, uh, there's no substitute for that. So, and then a third one is um, personal ministry. If you uh, move from being curious to becoming convinced to being committed, part of being committed is grabbing a hold of God's hand with what he's doing in the world and doing something on his behalf. We call it personal ministry. There's a gazillion ways that we can cooperate with God in what he's doing in the world and minister to other people. And uh, one of the ways that we mature is when we put ourselves out like that. And uh, most of us, you know, we don't feel competent. We don't feel adequate. We don't feel like, you know, we really are worthy of some ministry that God might be calling us to. But when we put ourselves in that position, we make ourselves available, uh, God meets us in that. And uh, he, he takes whatever meager contribution we can make, and he adds his own spirit to it, and he uses it. And so that's, those three are kind of in our bailiwick. They're our choices to make. But then this providential relationships of people who come in and out of your life that God orchestrates. And, and there it's a question of, are we alert that God is maybe bringing somebody into our life uh, that, that's going to become a generous friend? Maybe that starts as an acquaintance. Uh, this morning at the early service, uh, you know, I asked everybody to move into the center section and, and to look for somebody you don't know and say hi. And at the end of the service, uh, this lady came out and she said, I just met a new friend this morning. Been coming to this church for a long time, but I didn't even know, you know. And uh, so maybe an acquaintance turns into a friendship. And, um, and then the, the final one is um, uh, pivotal circumstances. 
God will use circumstances to grow us. We all hit adversity at some point in time, right? There's all kinds of ways that God has to get our attention. And uh, these pivotal uh, circumstances, what we do with them and how we respond to them determine an awful lot about whether we grow or whether we get stuck. And uh, those are opportunities for us to develop character and to grow. And so, again, um, what I'd like to focus on are these providential relationships that people can contribute into our lives. And uh, by the way, you know, when we talk about a growing relationship with God, what is it that grows? What is it that grows? What is a growing relationship with God made out of? You know, it's faith that has to grow. Faith is just confidence in God, right? But the whole world is in the mess it's in because our original parents, Adam and Eve, chose to not have faith and not trust God's word. You remember the story, right? God says, look, all of this is here for you to enjoy. I had this huge creation. It's, you'll, dis, you'll be the rest of your lifetime discovering how great it is, and it's all for you. There's just this one tree. It's right in the center. It's about right and wrong. It's about good and bad. That's my department. Ask me about it. I'd be happy to tell you what's right and what's wrong. Just don't eat from that one tree out of all the creation. Trust me, God says. Trust my word. Put confidence in what I'm telling you. No. And all of the stuff that we hate about life uh, is the result, ultimately, of not trusting God. And so um, when you realize what an important uh, part trust really is, it's trust that has to grow. And uh, the whole Old Testament, really, if you look at it and read it, is God saying, trust me. Trust me. And the whole New Testament is Jesus saying, put your faith in me. Put your faith in me. Trust me. You know, um, trust me. The whole Bible is about a relationship with God that grows by trusting him more. Christianity really is an invitation to trust God. It's just an invitation to enter into a relationship with God through faith or trust. And so as our confidence in God grows, we grow. The more faith we exercise, the more we grow. And so if we're earnestly on our way to a God-first life, and that's our real desire, then there are always people that God will put into our life, friends, generous friends, people who will share their life with ours. Um, I don't know if you remember, but uh, over Christmas, over the month of December, we had different people that we interviewed and asked questions to kind of illustrate the points we were trying to make from the scriptures. And uh, almost everybody, if you remember, uh, said something like, well, you know, I had a friend who said to me, or I had a friend who invited me to church, or invited me to a Bible study, or invited me to their small group, or uh, offered to pray for me, or I had somebody that uh, came alongside of me when I was down and out and, and really in trouble, who stuck with me through thick and thin and so on. And there's always some providential person that God will bring in and out of our lives to be a generous friend. And through that friend, to stimulate our faith or to grow us to God-firstness. And uh, these friends, you know, have different roles. Sometimes God uses friends, I think, to speak to us, right? Haven't you had the experience of being around friends, maybe in a small group or a Bible study, and uh, you just sense, you know, there's more going on here than just two people talking. 
You can hear God sometimes actually speak through a friend, and you know that that friend doesn't even, uh, they're not, they might not even be aware, but that God is speaking to you through something uh, profound that they're saying. Uh, sometimes I think friends, God uses friends to challenge us. Uh, sometimes we see something in a friend that creates a thirst in us. And sometimes God uses friends that way. Uh, maybe it's their faithfulness. You say, wow, I, I wish I could be that faithful. Uh, they have a deep faith and you, you become, uh, you desire to have a, maybe it's their transparency. I wish I could be as transparent as they're. Maybe it's their knowledge. Wow, I wish I knew the scriptures as much as they do. You know, maybe it's their devotion. Maybe it's their love or their joy. Or maybe it's a measure of peace that they have in their life. And you say, man, I wish I could go through that in my life with that much peace. And God uses people to uh, challenge us. In Galatians chapter 6 and verse 2, um, it says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. The law of Christ. Get involved in other people's lives. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. You know, one another, there's, there's over 50 one another's in the New Testament. 50, over 50 different ways that God commands us to be involved in one another's life. Now, in order to do that, you've got to have friends. You've got to be in relationships with people that are significant enough, deep enough, to be able to do these one another's. If you're an isolated person and you're just, you know, your Christianity is just about you and God and you don't have any real friendships of any significance, I can tell you 50 commands that you're blowing off right off the bat. All these one another's that God says. Um, there's a whole host of them, you know, um, uh, commands, love one another, pray for one another, forgive one another, confess to one another, be kind to one another, teach one another, admonish one another, bear with one another, speak truth to one another. This is what friends do. Rebuke one another. Uh, when we're not friends with anyone, we're breaking all of these commands right off the bat. And so generous relationships, generous friendships are about these things. And uh, it's one of the reasons that I think small groups are one of the best ways to find and develop generous friendships. You know, a small group, you start out and you're acquainted with the group that you're in, but usually out of that group, there's two or three people that you can become generous friends with, that somehow the Holy Spirit matches up and resonates and, and so on. You know, Jesus only had, you can't be generous friends with 100 people. Jesus had like 12 friends. One of them was no good, right? Judas betrayed him. Out of the 12, he had three really tight, generous friends, Peter, Jimmy, and Johnny, right? They were his three close friends with whom he was very generous. And so when it comes to friendships, it's important for us to value uh, these friendships, these generous friendships, and small groups give us an opportunity to become acquainted uh, with people that can, in fact, develop into uh, friendships. Now, Jesus famously said, if you want to have friends, what? You've just got to be a friend, right? When people say, ah, I don't have any friends, I say, ah, oh, I know exactly the problem. It's you. It's not everybody else. It's you. That's either good news or bad news. It's good news if you realize, oh, I could fix it if it's me. 
If it's me, I could change. I could grow. Here's what Jesus said. Matthew chapter 7, verse 12. He said, whenever you, so whatever you wish that others would do to you, do to them. And that fulfills all the law and the prophets. That's an amazing statement. The law and the prophets, what is that? That's the whole Old Testament. The whole Old Testament, first part of it's about the law, the Ten Commandments. The rest of it's about the prophets, talking about Christ's coming and all the rest of it. And what fulfills the whole Old Testament? If you would just think about the way you would like people to treat you and start treating them that way, that would fulfill the whole deal, everything God's trying to say. I mean, it's really amazing when you think about that. We call this, you know, the golden rule. And it's the sum of what the Bible says. Um, it's what Paul says in Galatians. Uh, there's a number of different you know, places we could go, but uh, Jesus says it there. Uh, Paul says it in Galatians uh, chapter 6 and uh, verse 2. Notice he says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. What's the law of Christ? What is that law? Well, Jesus, when he was here in John 13, 34, said, you know, there's one new command that I'm leaving with you, just one thing, one thing added, one thing new, that you would love other people the way that you are loved by me. That's the one new, that's the law of Christ. You know, it's saying the same thing. But again, notice how radical a statement this is, right? It's the law of Christ. It's the fulfillment of all the law and the prophets. Uh, Jesus said the same thing uh, when he said, you know, love your neighbor as yourself, right? On these two commands hang all the law and the prophets. Everything is about this. And uh, generous friendships are the place where this gets uh, played out. And so, uh, first of all, when we think about these generous friendships, the first thing uh, we have to recognize is generous friendships take time. They take time, right? We only have so much time. We all have 168 hours in a week. And so we all have the same amount of time. And so when we, when we value friendships and we realize that God wants to use friendships to grow us, we have to value and be intentional about investing the time and uh, choosing friendships Uh, putting energy and creativity, uh, because friendships just don't happen by accident, they happen by choice. Acquaintances turn into friendships when we make a choice uh, to invest in them, and usually that means sacrifices, right? Anything that takes time in our culture means a sacrifice. I'm going to have to give up something in order to have time to do uh, generous friendships. And when we don't, you know... uh, when we don't make time uh, and we start not showing up, you know, in order, sometimes, you know, people will say, um, well, Dave, I'll be with you in spirit. I say, eh. You know, I wanted to come to that meeting, but it's snowing out tonight. I'll be with you in spirit. I'm like, eh. If you're not there, you're not there. I don't know what your spirit's thinking. I just don't, right? I mean, you can't. And so, um, Part of time is showing up. It's just being there. And uh, when we don't show up for our friends, it simply means, you know, that we have something else that's more important to us, right? And so um, friendships then don't grow, and generous friendships, you know, really are not cheap. Uh, They're expensive, but they're well worth the investment. And if you think back over your spiritual life and you can identify some friends that have made significant contributions to your life, like that professor that invested in Barb and I's life, uh, it was a sacrifice for him. 
Uh, it was a time sacrifice, and we were over at his home all the time, and it was an investment. And, you know, uh, he, I'm sure, he, you know, he's married, and he has a daughter and had things to do, but he made time. And uh, he invested, and he was there, and it made a difference in our lives. It takes time. Another thing that it takes is trust. Trust. In order to be a generous friend and to have a generous friend, there has to be trust. If you don't trust somebody, they're not your friend. True? If somebody doesn't trust you, they're not your friend. They're an acquaintance. But trust is at the root of generous uh, friendships. Um, You know, Proverbs has a lot to say about uh, friends. And uh, you can kind of call through Proverbs a lot to say. Uh, about friends. Uh, Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 6 says this, um, many a man proclaims his own steadfast love, but a faithful man who can find. Another translation of that goes like this in um, Proverbs 20 verse 6, many people claim to be a friend, but it is rare to find somebody who is truly trustworthy. Rare. Rare. That's why when we talk about generous friends, uh, you can't have just tons of them. Um, It's rare to find somebody who is totally trustworthy. And so I ask you, you know, do you have a friend that's trustworthy, that's totally trustworthy? Uh, What does it mean to be trustworthy? Do you have a friend that you trust with your secrets? Do you have a friend you can talk to about your feelings of failure or guilt? Do you have a friend that you can share your fears with? What does it mean to be a trustworthy friend? Do you have a friend that you can be totally honest and transparent with? Do you have friends that you trust in your life? Um, You know, trust takes a long time to build. And you can lose it like that in a second. One careless word, one gossip, one, you know, you have this trust situation uh, with somebody. And it's very easy to lose uh, that uh, trust. And it takes a long time to build. Some people have what psychologists call trust issues, right? And uh, trust issues are, you know, when we've been wounded or hurt, um, maybe as we're growing up, we've been betrayed or rejected or abandoned or maybe even abused. And uh, we've just decided, you know what, I'm not going to trust anybody anymore because it just hurts too much. And so we cut off the possibility even of having generous friendships with God's children that could develop our spiritual lives uh, further toward God-first living. Uh, Trust takes lots of time to build, and so um, uh, we need help sometimes with uh, getting past, you know, sometimes if our spiritual development is stunted and we just feel like, well, I'm at the same place year after year, and I'm not really enjoying my relationship with God. It's not going anyplace. A lot of times it's just that, You know, I've shut myself off from the possibility of other people making contributions. And God has invested in each of us gifts and abilities and talents and experiences and personalities that we all need each other. Just like different parts of our body need each other to be able to function at maximum capacity. And when we cut ourselves off from that because we haven't dealt with something that happened to us in the past. I I bumped into a person the other day in a store before Christmas and I haven't seen them for a long time. And uh, uh, we got to talking, and, and we have a mutual friend who had an absolutely horrible thing happen to him in his life, but he's never forgiven the person that you know, has done this. And, 
and it's just totally taken down his life. He just is on all kinds of medication. And, he's, and I said, you know, I said, if he could only forgive the way God forgives him, he could get released of so much of this. His daughter was killed, and he hasn't forgiven the murderer. And, and it just, it's, it's so sad. But we, we, something happens to us, and we just shut down. And uh, trust issues are significant, and they keep us from maturing spiritually. And uh, we can start by trusting God. As Brittany said, our best friend, Jesus, he knows what it's like to be betrayed. He knows what it's like to be deceived. He knows what it's like to be abused. And when we start with him and allow him to kind of be the uh, heartbeat of uh, the way we deal with what happens to us, uh, we can get out from underneath that. Well, how do we move toward generous friendships? Again, Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 17 uh, Verse 17 says this, a friend loves at all times, all times. A friend doesn't love sometimes or most of the time. A friend loves all the time, no matter what. A friend loves at all times. And that's what the Lord does for us, right? Um, A friend is somebody that's reliable. Uh, Somebody said one time, uh, the greatest ability you can have is reliability. Isn't that good? The greatest ability you can have is reliability. Friends love at all times. They're reliable. They're dependable. Uh, A friend needs you. When a friend needs you and you refuse, you won't forgive. You won't extend grace. You won't speak truth. You won't share resources. Uh, you know, you actually distance yourself from God. Uh, one of the uh, great passages of Scripture is the book of Job, which is really the story of a guy named Job and his three friends. The whole bulk of the book is about the interaction between Job and his three friends. And you remember the story of Job. God decided to test Job, and God allowed everything that could go wrong go wrong to Job. And then Job has these three friends. And these three friends come, and they're trying to tell him, you know, Job, you must have screwed up because God wouldn't do this to you if you didn't screw up. And Job's like, I didn't screw up. He's like, I haven't done anything that deserves this, and I can't figure it out, and I don't understand. And and Job's going through this absolutely really difficult uh, faith crisis kind of a time, and he's got his three friends, and and they're all arguing with him instead of being supportive. And in Job chapter 6 and verse 14, here's what the Bible says. He who withholds kindness from a friend forsakes the fear of Almighty God. He who withholds kindness from a friend, all right, forsakes their relationship with God. That's pretty serious. In other words, the way we treat our friends has a a direct impact on our relationship with God. Uh, That's how significant friendships really are uh, in God's economy of growing us and maturing us. Uh, Job is, you know, interacting with his three friends, and, and at this point, um, the, this is what happens. If you withhold kindness, if you're not, uh, you know, a friend loves at all times, and uh, when we're not kind to our friends and we withhold what God has given us to give, when we're a part of the body that shuts down rather than contributes to the rest of the body, and we won't forgive or we won't, uh, you know, extend grace to people and, and we won't share truth that God has put in our hearts uh, with people, um, it actually affects our relationship with God. And that's why spiritual growth is so dependent upon uh, generous friendships. Um, 
you know, if you say you're going to do something, do it. Right? If you say you're going to give something to somebody, give it. If you say you're going to be there, be there. Uh, The second part of that verse in Proverbs uh, 17 says, A brother is born for adversity. It's usually in the tough times, there's lots of adversity that comes into people's lives, right? There's all kinds of ways that adversity comes into our lives. And uh, a friend is somebody who's there in the adversity times. It's called loyalty. It's about being there when there's nothing in it for you. It's not just having friendships that benefit you, but it's having friendships that benefit the other person. When the person is sick or needy or emotionally empty, uh, there's plenty of adversity. It's really just love. In the New Testament, in um, 1 Corinthians 13, uh, the Bible talks about love and says this in verse 7. You know, love bears all things, love believes all things, love hopes all things, and love endures all things. Loyalty is just love in motion. Or love is just loyalty in motion. Put it however you want. Uh, But what does it mean to uh, a friend to love at all times? Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Another part of uh, generous uh, friendships, um, again, Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 17, and um, uh, verse 9 says this, Um, whoever covers an offense seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates close friends. You can't be a generous friend and be a gossip. You just can't. You have to be able to keep confidences in order to be a generous friend. You have to be somebody that somebody can come to and share with and know uh, that you're not going to use that against them. A part of being a generous friend is keeping confidences. And this is a big one. Um, Proverbs talks about this a lot. In Proverbs chapter 6 and verse 16, there's the same thing. Um, There are seven things God hates, and one of them is when somebody uses gossip to divide friends. Uh, You know this list, uh, Proverbs chapter 6? It says, there are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, uh, feet that make haste to run to evil, a false witness who breathes out lies, and then this one, one who sows discord among friends or among brothers. Somebody who says, hey, have you heard what happened to so-and-so? Do you hear what so-and-so did? Did you hear, you know, uh, what's going on with so-and-so's life and so forth? And, and creates dissonance between people rather than uh, bringing kindness. And um, uh, this is a, a significant issue. Uh, again, Proverbs chapter 11 and uh, verse 13. Uh, Whoever goes about slandering reveals secrets. Whoever goes about, you know, putting everybody down, finding what's wrong with everybody. Whoever goes about slandering reveals secrets, but he who is trustworthy in spirit keeps a thing covered. There are some things that ought not to be repeated. And sometimes, if we're going to be generous friends, we need to know what those things are. And um, we ought to be able to keep confidences in order that we might be friends who can contribute to each other's lives. In fact, uh, one of the things the New Testament says uh, ought to happen between us. Um, in James chapter 5, James says, confess your sins to one another. Confess your sins. So you mess up, you fail in some way, you're aware of sin, you have guilt in your, 
you know, and uh, you, you, you wish you could share it with somebody who would not reject you because of it, because they could help you carry the burden. In fact, this passage in James is kind of neat. It says, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. That you may be healed. I, I heard a pastor one time say, you know, if you just want to be forgiven, confess your sins to God. But if you want to be healed, find a generous friend who you can share and confess to and allow them to help you to get over it. I don't know if you've had this experience, but sometimes when you've messed up and you do share it with somebody who's a generous friend, they're able to relieve the burden of that, that some people take all the way to their grave. Every once in a while, I'll have somebody who'll say, you know, well, I've never told anybody this. And I say, why not? And the truth is, well, because they don't really have anybody in their life they trust. Anybody who's a safe person. Anybody who's not so needy that they would use what they've got to build themselves up or to put somebody else down. Somebody who's a safe person is somebody whose best friend is Jesus and who's filled them with what they need so that they don't need to do that other kinds of stuff in order to boost themselves up. Confess your sins to one another that you might be healed. Uh, We need to be in friendships where there's listening. Listening is different than hearing. You can hear somebody, but, you know, do you have, I'm guilty of this, right? You're listening to somebody, but you're thinking about what you're going to say next. And you're not really listening. You're not really identifying with what's going on in that person's life. But to listen is to be able to view things from other people's perspective, to be empathetic when we listen for what is not being said, for fears or feelings that are behind what's being said. And uh, we're able to empathize with people. There's a great uh, verse, I think, that's very helpful in uh, Romans 15, verse 1, for any kind of relationship, but especially in um, friendships. In Romans chapter 15, and verse 1, here's what it says. We who are strong have an obligation, an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not just to please ourselves. That verse blows my mind because in every relationship, most people consider themselves the strong one. (laughs) Right? In every relationship, most people consider themselves to be spiritually strong. Sometimes you get in a marriage situation where people are thinking about divorcing each other. And I like to say, you know, well, who's the strong person spiritually here? And both the husband and wife will say, well, it's me, of course. Because he's such a jerk or she's such a jerk. I'm the strong one. And I go to this passage of scripture and I say, oh, well, listen, as the strong one, you can turn this thing around. It's, in fact, an obligation for you to bear with the weaknesses of jerk that you're married to. Okay? We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not just please ourselves. It's great advice. It's our duty. It's our responsibility. It's our obligation. And uh, the next uh, verse says, you know, let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. Didn't say to fix him. It just says to build him up and to be an encouragement to them and so forth. And uh, if you go down to verse 7 in this passage, this whole paragraph is about this. It says, therefore, welcome each other. Accept each other. Everybody needs to feel welcomed, needs to feel accepted, right? 
And uh, to accept somebody is not to fix them or to, you know, uh, treat them as you wish they were, but uh, it's to accept them where they're at. Accept them where they're at. And I think another uh, part of this whole thing, again, in Romans chapter 12, there's some uh, great advice uh, about generous friendships. Romans chapter 12 and verse 15 says this, Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Can you do that? Can anybody do that with you? Do you have any friends who can do that with you? Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Generous friends are able to celebrate or to cry with you. See, that's why you can't have like a hundred generous friends. You need somebody who knows you and understands you. But do you have anybody, like, if you, if you were really excited and something happened to you, you know what, Barb and I had a crazy thing happen to us yesterday. We had a phone call, and uh, it was, I noticed it was from Jamaica, right? So, suspicious. The guy calls and says, hi, my name is so-and-so, and, -so, and um, I'm from Publishers Clearinghouse, and you have just won $2 million and $500,000 in cash and a pearl white Mercedes, which will be delivered to your house 4.30 this afternoon. I'm like, Yahoo! Wouldn't that be great? The whole thing, of course, you know, if you send me $200, you know, that kind of stuff. But for just that second, you know, to have to think, well, how would it change my life if I had $2,500,000 and a new Mercedes? kind of fun to think about. Who can I call at church and tell them, ah, guess what? I just came into a couple million bucks in a new car. Are you excited for me? Are you happy for me? Or are you going to be jealous of me now? You know what happens when somebody buys a new house or somebody gets a new car or somebody has something really good happen to them. They go on vacation and something spectacular, some experience they have. And, so, and they come home and they try to share it. And their friend says something like, must be nice to have money. Or, you know, some people have all the breaks. You know what happens to that person? They don't share what's exciting to them anymore. They don't have somebody in their life who can actually get excited about them anymore. And that's sad. Because here's the Bible saying we ought to have some friendships where people have enough margin in their life that they can get outside of themselves and really be genuinely excited for you because God has blessed you in some way or another. Do you have that? Do you have friends who actually can get excited for you? Barbara and I have a good friend. He passed, went to the Lord now, but he had two daughters, and one was older than the other. And... Um, the older one couldn't get pregnant, just couldn't have a baby. And the younger one had a baby. And he was all concerned. As a dad, how is my older daughter going to handle my younger daughter? Can my older daughter get excited for my younger daughter having a baby when she has tried so hard and it's just met with frustration? Can we get outside of ourselves and rejoice with those who rejoice, you know, and be happy. And on the other end of the spectrum, can we weep with those who weep? Do we allow God to meet enough of our needs so that we have some margin in our lives to get involved and bear another person's burdens? 
and come alongside of them and, and stand with them and help them and, and uh, be an encouragement to them? Do we have margin to cry, you know, uh, when somebody else is really hurting? Uh, when you're in pain and you're struggling and you're broken and you're frustrated, is there anybody in your life who cares and who knows how to come alongside and just uh, be there for you? You know, so often right here is where people get into a victim mentality. Poor me. And they've got all this stuff going on and they're really broken and they're hurt and they're thinking, poor me, and they have nobody they can tell. And they have nobody who really cares, who they're convinced really cares. And, and so what happens, they just, poor me. And, you know, they can go that way to their grave, just never really recovering uh, from the brokenness that life deals to all of us, the adversity and so forth. And we need one another. We need generous friendships. We need people who are safe, who are a safe place to go when pain comes into our lives. Uh, somebody who will help carry the weight of our burdens. And when we feel weak and overburdened or embarrassed or shameful or rejected or fearful or we feel like a failure, you know, we need somebody who can come alongside and just enter into our pain as well as enter into our excitement. Do we have friendships? Are we friends like that to anybody? What if we had a resolution this year that we would allow God to bring at least one of these friends, new person into our life uh, whereby we could contribute to each other's maturing in our faith, that we might become more God-first, more Jesus-like people, uh, in order that uh, God could grow us spiritually uh, into more God-first people. Friends, friends, you cannot be what God intends you to be without some significant people in your life. It's not a solo sport. We are part of a body. We are members of one another. And nobody can be friends with 100 people like I'm talking about here. But everybody needs a few friends in their lives. Let's pray to God. Heavenly Father, uh, I thank you that you've designed life so that there would be significant contributions from person to person. And I'm sure that all of us who are believers and who have walked with you for a while could identify people who have made significant contributions into our lives in all different kinds of ways. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to just take a moment to reflect and think, am I that kind of person to somebody else? Can I just uh, take the uh, golden rule and just think about how it is I would like people to treat me and to allow you then to put somebody into my life who needs that kind of treatment and who would receive it from me? And that I might be a friend and that we might develop these friendships, Father, that are generous and uh, that we'd be willing to sacrifice the time and that we'd be willing to be worthy of the trust and that we would become safe people. And that, Father, as a result, you could free us from the stuff that keeps us from becoming God first. And as a result of that, that we would bring glory to you, to who you are and to what you're able to do. And uh, we thank you, Father, for your presence in our life. And we thank you for the friendship of Jesus, as Brittany said, our best friend. And it's through Jesus ministering in our life that we are freed up to be able to be this to each other. May the model of our relationship with Jesus be the model of our uh, relationships with one another. For Jesus' sake, we pray. Amen.